I'm just gonna go. Okay. Just gonna go. Yeah. Dollar Mission, the podcast for entrepreneurs that are focused on purpose and profit. I'm your host, Dr. Chantel Chambliss, serial entrepreneur, nonprofit expert, wife, and mother. You are listening to season one, episode one of Million Dollar Mission. This episode we're calling, What Exactly is a Million Dollar Mission? Um, for years, I have been coaching entrepreneurs, small business owners, nonprofit leaders to a space where they are making not only the money, but the impact that they have desired to make their entire lives. And along that journey, people have came and said, well, Chantel, how'd you get here? What, what's going, you know, what's happening in this space that's so exciting that people want to still make impacts in their community, but they also want to live a life of self-defined luxury. And so I created the Million Dollar Mission podcast in order to not only teach people how to get there, but to highlight the journey of some entrepreneurs who are doing just that. They are making six, seven figures on their way to eight, some of them, And they're also um, making major impact in their communities. They are helping people. They are advocating. They are changing um, narratives. And so that's really what defines the Million Dollar Mission. In this first episode, I just want to give you guys a little introduction to me, talk about how we got to this point, um, some of the obstacles that I faced along the way that may not be well known, you may not see it. In my social media posts, you may not hear it when I'm speaking or coaching or writing, um, but there have been some obstacles along the way on this on this path to um, really fulfilling the million dollar mission. And then talk a little ri- a bit about clarity and and clarity of my own mission and how I help others find clarity in their mission and in their purpose. So without further ado. Let's get into it. Okay, so since this is episode one, I want to formally introduce myself. Um, I'm Dr. Chantel Chambliss again. Um, I am hailed as a nonprofit expert, um, but really, I didn't, this wasn't a straight line to, I did not wake up one morning and say, I want to run a nonprofit. In fact, what I did wake up one morning and say was, how could I make money doing what I love? Because the, the bottom line is this, we all want to make, um, I, don't, I hate the word livable wage. Let's not, let's not play that game, right? We want to make the amount of money that covers our comfort whatever that looks like to you. For me, that looks like a comfortable home, 
a nice car. That looks like being able to uh, take my daughter around the world. That looks like being able to have freedom in my schedule and, you know, whatever it is that I want to do, having the freedom to do those things. And so for many years, I was an HR executive. I was literally the person responsible for hiring and firing people um, for some of the nation's oldest universities. Um, And then I decided that this was not it. It was not making any impact in my life. I made really good money, right? I had made decent money, I'll say. And, but I had no freedom and I didn't, I could not see the mark that I was making in the world. I could not see legacy. It was, it was not visible what my legacy was going to be. And this was long before I had my daughter. And even, even then it was very important to me that I left some mark on this world. So while I was doing my normal nine to five HR exec life, I said, well, maybe there's some community organization, right? That I can reach out to and help and use some of my skills to make impact. And then I can just stay at my nine to five and and make the money, right? I could do both. Um, So I, you know, Google's our best friend. I jumped into Google and just started looking for organizations that, could benefit from someone with massive HR skills. Um, I came across an organization that helped women transition back into the workforce after long periods of unemployment. And I was like, hmm, maybe this is it, right? Maybe this is where I can leave some impact or make some impact or leave some legacy or begin to build my legacy. And so I began, I called this organization and it's like, well, I'm here in this area and I would love to you know, volunteer with you all and hear the skills I have. And I was met with, we're not, we don't do that in your area. We're all around the world, but we're not where you are. And my inquisitive mind just wanted to know why, you know, I come from a part, a a place in my community that I know could benefit from these services. I know the disadvantaged people that you served. I know this underserved community. Why aren't you here? And that one conversation led me down a career path that I was not expecting. Um, Long story short, and I promise my toxic trait is not saying long story short and telling the whole story. I'm really going to make it short. Uh, Long story short, I ended up licensing or franchising that nonprofit's business model in my area so that I could offer those services here. And even still, it was like volunteer. I'm going to do this on the weekends and in the evenings. I'm going to go help women write resumes and I'm going to help them find professional attire. And I'm going to show them how to dress when they go on interviews. And I'm going to show them how to interview properly because I'm a, I'm an HR whiz. I, I know all these things. I know exactly what companies want when you walk in the door. I know how they want you to look. I know what they want you to say. I know what your responses should be to interview questions. And so I did that for about two years in the evenings and on the weekends and still held down my full-time job. And then there was this drastic pull on me all of a sudden to do more, to expand upon these services, to help more women 
using this um, business model. And so that was literally when I began the transition into the nonprofit sector and out of corporate America. And it wasn't that I hated corporate America. I'm not one of those entrepreneurs that you're going to hear say, oh my God, I just hated corporate America so much. It was not that I hated corporate America. Corporate America served me in many, many ways, but it did not create or mold legacy for me. Um, And so over the next 18 months, I began a process of transitioning into this nonprofit space and learning all that I could learn and making connections and building relationships about um, or learning how to manage this nonprofit successfully. But I still had um, a lot of entrepreneurial skills. I had started businesses before. I had already started my consulting practice that I was doing in addition to my corporate job. Um, And there were things about the nonprofit sector that really, really bothered me. And so even though I, I transitioned in and I began running this nonprofit and making impact and creating legacy and, you know, I was for years, I was decorated and awarded because I did this in this community and helped this many people in this community and did innovative um, change in this community. I was still like, where is my reward? And I'm talking monetary, right? (laughs) At this point, the heart is full, but the pockets were not. And so I began to have conversation with other leaders about what, what does, like, what does your reward look like in this sector? And my heart was shattered to learn that so many in this sector, some running nonprofits, some just being community advocates, um, you know, other just, others just being leaders in community-focused organizations had really became comfortable with being underpaid and undercompensated and underrewarded simply because the trade-off in legacy and impact. So it was like, you could not have both here. And I, I could not buy into that narrative. And so as I began to, as I built my nonprofit and it saw huge success and I um, transitioned my consulting practice to focus specifically on nonprofits because I wanted them to realize the same success that I had in the nonprofit sector, I realized that many, many people viewed community advocates and nonprofit leaders and social entrepreneurs as like the discounted version of their favorite CEO. They, these leaders have been tricked into believing that it's like unethical for them to make a large salary when in fact, it's unethical for them to not, right? It is, it never, never ceases to amaze me how society has deemed that it's okay for the CEO of your favorite shoe boutique to make seven figures, but that the founder or the executive director or uh, community advocate for this, community-focused organization or social enterprise or nonprofit, but it's not okay for them to make seven figures. And I could not figure out why. 
And that's what led me to Million Dollar Mission. I truly believe that it is possible. Forget possible, right? It's not even possible. It is mandatory that leaders in this space, those that are focused on purpose and focused on impact, that they should also be focused on profit because broke charity helps no one. That is what the million dollar mission is about. It's about realizing that community leaders, people who are making the impact in your communities, people who are changing the narratives, people who are fighting the good fight, that they exist in the same free market as every other business that you patronize and they should also be generating wealth. It is absolutely mandatory and it is my mission to see that anyone who's focused on purpose and impact and changing narratives and writing new stories is also generating wealth and creating legacy for themselves and their families. Now, I said in, in, the, in the introduction that we were going to talk about some barriers and some obstacles along the way, because that, that, of course, was not a straight line. I didn't just like go start this nonprofit, and it's wildly successful, and now I'm making seven figures. There were huge obstacles um, along the way. There, there's, you know, notwithstanding criticism from peers, um, notwithstanding days where you just don't think it's going to work. Um, this realm of entrepreneurship is very much like the one that the traditional realm, right? You start a restaurant, the first day it's packed, and then for two days it's empty. It's the same way in this realm. Some days you're making an impact, and then some days people hate your guts, right? Some days everyone needs your services, and some days it seems like no one is showing up to receive. And so, you know, I want to be clear that this is not all about um, warm and fuzzies and how many people are we going to help today. It's really about understanding that this realm of entrepreneurship, this realm of impact, this realm of legacy building um, is not without obstacle. It's not without pain points. Um, It really mirrors what we've been learned, what we've learned over the years, but it's just a tad bit different because of how society has deemed these uh, purpose and profit driven people. And I know you can look around you and, and see people who still want to live some, they want to drive luxury cars, they want to travel the world, um, but they still want to make sure that they are creating meaningful impact in their communities. One of the questions that I'm often asked is how I got clarity on my own mission. Like, Chantel, how did you decide that this is what you wanted to do in order to build your legacy to fulfill like that mission that was pulling on you. And honestly, my answer is usually this, is that I allowed myself to be still 
for just long enough to hear what was being told to me and to see what was being shown to me. Um, in my HR career, I all let, let me back up. Let me even say how I even began an HR career. Technically, if you go back and look at like my fourth grade drawings, what I wanted to be when I grew up was a lawyer because I like to argue. I like to debate. I love it. It's amazing. But when I got to college, um, I somewhere along the line decided then I wanted to be a fashion designer. Then I was going to do both, right? Because I'm, I'm superwoman. And so I started taking these fashion merchandising classes and even got an associate's degree in fashion merchandising and design. And as I'm about to, I'm, I got a two-year degree and as I'm about to transition to the four-year college, I'm talking to one of the counselors and he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I think I'm going to go to the four-year college, get my business degree, then go to law school. Then I'm going to go to FIT in New York. And then I'm going to just do, I'm going to have a law practice and design clothes on the side. And this man, this black man looked at me and said, ain't no money in that. And as a young generationally poor black woman that scared the life out of me I no longer wanted to do anything that I loved I no longer wanted to do the things that excited me because now I had been told that there was no money there that I would not make a living and when you come from a family that's not wealthy your goal is to be wealthy. You want to have all the things that you did not have growing up. And so I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I can't go. I can't play around in clothes and play with fashion because I can't make a living doing that and I can't become wealthy. And so I said, well, what should I do? He said, well, you want to be a lawyer. Can you afford law school? No. Hadn't even thought about affording law school. Just thought I was going to go. Well, law school is really expensive. And I don't think you can afford law school. But, and this is the only piece of advice this man gave me that was beneficial. I hope right now he's somewhere walking down the street with his socks rolling down into his shoes, right? For just stomping all over an 18-year-old girl's dream. But he did give me one piece of advice that has stuck with me or that did stick with me throughout my HR career. And he told me, he said, the most important person in a company is the HR manager. He said, everything goes through them. And typically they are who decides if a lawyer is even necessary to a company. And I found that to be very true throughout my career. Think about any company you've ever worked for. They, HR is the gatekeeper. They decide who comes in. They decide who goes out. They decide who's following the rules. They decide who's not following the rules. They are the gatekeepers. And because, you know, the boss in me wanted to be a gatekeeper, um, I was like, oh, I'll give it a try. So when I switched, when I transitioned to four-year college, I rolled into a human resource management degree program and subsequently got three degrees in HR management and organizational development. Um, when I got into the workforce and began working those HR jobs, they were fun for a while and paid really well. But like I said earlier, 
they created no impact. Yeah, hiring people and giving people jobs is, is meaningful, but not to me personally. That wasn't my money that I was dishing out salaries with. It wasn't even a position that I created. It was something that the company owned. And so I really went from being a gatekeeper to being more like a short order cook, right? Here's what you need. Here's what I got. And that was it. And so the, what, but what did happen oftentimes in my HR career is that I would end up advocating for young, Black, disadvantaged, undereducated, underserved, under-resourced women. Women like my mother, women like my aunts, women like myself had I not been afforded the opportunity to go to college. Um, they just kept, oftentimes I was the only Black woman in the HR department. And so when these women would come in and um, looking for jobs or seeking employment, they'd often be routed through me because they wanted me to be the one to say, we don't want you here. They wanted me to be the one to say, you need to dress a certain way. They wanted me to be the one to say, you need to talk a certain way. And so in this HR career, I kept being placed in this position to advocate for these women who essentially looked like everything that I had came from or, or was really. And then when I moved into my nonprofit part-time career where I was, you know, really not serious about it, I was just volunteering. I ended up in an organization that focused on clothing. Hmm, how ironic that the thing that I wanted to do, fashion merchandising and design, is now what I'm volunteering to do. I am putting together outfits, I'm stitching clothes, I am, you know, styling women. And again, when I allow myself to be still, I'll never forget it. I can tell you exactly. It was July of 2011. I was sitting in my office, big, beautiful office with like Florida, Florida ceiling windows. And I was looking out, <laughs> looking out of the window and was like, I want to go, I want to go style some clothes. I want to go, I want to go back to, at that time, I had all the clothes in my garage at my house. I was like, I want to go do inventory. I don't want to be here. I don't want to go to another meeting. And I wasn't miserable. I loved my coworkers. My boss was really cool. She didn't even live in the same city. So she didn't care what I did. She didn't care what I did. Like I really had it made. You know, I used to take two, three hour lunch breaks. And, but I was sitting there one day and I was like, I want to go do inventory. I want to go style some outfits. I think I had scheduled um, like a open suiting and I would do that before I had an office where I would just do pop-up shops where women who were job seeking or in shelter could come and shop from these racks that I had rolled out and I was like I want to go put together racks and I left and took a vacation and did that for like a week and was the happiest I had been in years in years at that time I had like recently went through a divorce and you know it was I was not textbook happy, but like leaving that job saying, hey, I'm taking a couple of days of vacation and going into my non-air conditioned garage and opening these box of donated clothes and cleaning them and styling them and putting together outfits made me so 
innately happy. Um, and so what I tell people is how to get clarity on your mission is really take the time to see not only what's being told to you, but what's being shown to you and align them. Align them with that fourth grade kid. What did that kid want to do? What did that kid want to be? And then think about 80-year-old you. How do you want 80-year-old you to live? 80-year-old me still wants to be in a two-piece bikini in Morocco, right? So that's who I'm building for. So whereas, and I want to be on that beach in Morocco feeling great about my life. I don't want to be sitting there reflecting about what I could have done or what I should have done or my God, I worked 40 years for this job and helped no one. I want to lay on that beach with a clear mind and a clear spirit, knowing that I've helped everyone that was assigned for me to help and that I've done all that I can do and that my children are reaping the rewards of that, that my children are able to um, like the saying goes, they're not getting it from the mud. They're getting it from the garden because I planted these seeds. I, that is the 80-year-old me. And I still want to look amazing. So I want to have the freedom to eat well and work out and do all that good stuff, right? So think about fourth grade you. Be st- present, make present you be still. Present you, the person right now. Make them be still and open their eyes and open their ears and then align that those fourth grade you with present you and take that and build for future you and that is the million dollar mission that's what we're working towards not just about a dollar figure who doesn't want a million dollars in the bank i don't care if you are mother teresa mother teresa took a vow of poverty but she didn't say that's what she wanted she said it's what i'll do So even Mother Teresa would have loved to see a million dollars in the bank. She probably would have gave it all away because that's the vow that she took. But we, as community leaders, or, you know, if we want to help people, we're designed to think that we have to disservice ourselves. No, I'm going to, present me is going to help everyone assigned to me. But I am going to serve future me. And I'm going to fulfill fourth grade me. And that's how you get clear on the mission. You're not going to find the mission in on a social media meme. You're not going to find the mission in your spouse's brain or in their mouth. You're not going to find your clarity or your mission in your children. You're going to only find them in yourself, in yourself, past you, present you, future you. Fulfill past you, allow present you to take it all in and then build for future you. And that is our first episode of season one. It is officially in the bag. Thank you so much for listening to Million Dollar Mission, the podcast for entrepreneurs that are focused on purpose and profit. I'm your host, Dr. Chantel Chainless, serial entrepreneur, nonprofit expert, wife, and mother. This podcast has been produced by Joy Donaldson. Until next time, stay on your mission.